Our passage is out of Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. This is a reading from the message. Just then a religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? He answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? said that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence, and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, said Jesus. Do it, and you'll live. Looking for a loophole, he asked, and just how would you define neighbor? Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on the way he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite religious man showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan traveling the road came on him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. What do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by the robbers? The man who treated him kindly, the religion scholar responded. Jesus said, Go and do the same. It's our passage for this morning. See, this process of sharing our faith is based on building relationships. Bill Hybels, uh, from Will- he's a pastor at Willow Creek, and he tells a, the, st- this, the following story in his book called Walk Across the Room. So it seems he went to an event, and he ended up seated across the table from a large African-American man whose name made it clear that he was a Muslim. And halfway through the program, the man caught his eye and mouth to Bill Hybels and said, I love your books, which caught Hybels by surprise because he didn't anticipate that this man with the Muslim name would be reading Christian books. But he was also intrigued about that, so he asked the man to lunch. And that conversation opened an understanding about how the Holy Spirit will move in lives of Christ followers when we're willing to commit to staying in a vibrant relationship with him. And the Holy Spirit will move us to say and do things that we might not normally do. His table mate had been a Muslim most of his life. And he pointed out that being an African-American Muslim in a southern city, coupled with his current line of work, he was a salesman, put him in some circumstances that were uncomfortable. Here's his story. It hasn't been an easy go, as you might imagine. I've had lots of struggles in social settings. And in my profession, we have a lot of cocktail parties and other evening events. The natural pattern for me is to show up fashionably late, graciously accept a drink and something to eat and throw my efforts into trying to make some business connections. Inevitably, I wind up standing alone, stuck up against a wall or isolated in a corner. As soon as I think I've lasted as long as social etiquette requires, I make my exit. One night I was at this type of party and the circles of conversation were going on as normal without me and I noticed that there was a man on the other side of the room and he was in, in a group of folks and he was carrying on a conversation with his people. But he looked up and he noticed me standing alone by the far wall. And this is exactly how it happened, Bill. He extricated himself from his conversational clique, walked clear across the room and stuck out his hand to me 
and introduced himself. A Samaritan was traveling the road and came on him. When he saw the man's condition, he offered to help. Now, the incredible thing about this is Samaritans and Jews didn't like each other. And the Jews, the Levite, the priest, walked by and ignored the man. And there may be reasons for that. It may be that they were in a hurry. Anybody ever been in a hurry and gone by somebody and said, man, I probably should stop, but not today. I've really got to get to this appointment. And it may have been that. It may have been that since the man was on the side of the road and was bleeding, that to help him would have made the priest ceremonial un- ceremonially unclean. And maybe he had to go to the temple, so he chose not to do that. It could be a lot of reasons. But it leaves us with the same outcome. The one who helped him was his enemy. The Samaritan was the one who had the impact. And thus we have the parable of the good Samaritan, right? How do you share your faith? What does it take? Well, it takes courage. It takes being willing to take a risk. Being willing to put yourself out there. The one who walked across the room risked rejection by the Muslim gentleman. The Samaritan certainly risked rejection and money. But are we willing to risk something? in order to reach people for Jesus, to share our story, to build relationships, to inspire people to fulfill God's calling in their life? Are we willing to risk something? Okay, Mike, but the guy that was going across the room wasn't going over there to share his faith, was he? I mean, what are you supposed to do? Walk up up to the room and, and go, excuse me, you don't know me. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Am I supposed to do that? No. Hi. I'm Mike. It's good to meet you. I, I was over here talking to my guys, and I, and I saw you over here and just, just you know, wanted to say hello. And, and uh, what do you do for a living? Work on BMWs. Work on BMWs. That's cool. <laughs> you got an extra one? I'd like to have one. <laughs> and you go from there you say hey what's up good morning morning. I'm Mike you you are Jaden it's very nice to meet you (laughs) how you doing so what do you what do you do are you a student are you senior in high school school? where do you go to school at Jackson County Jackson County the one with the big long name Jackson County Comprehensive High School we go there every once in a while, and we feed those folks. Have, you, have we fed you yet? Yeah, this is really good. Yeah, cool. So we'll keep, we'll keep doing that. <laughs> Build relationships. Get to know people. Invest in who they are. That's the key to all of this. It's, it's not really about being God. It's trusting God. See, God will show up. God's, God's got it. God's got his part handled. Our part is to get to know people and to actually invest in the conversation and in the relationship. But let me get back to our story. 
It's our Muslim friend. He said, you know, it was so easy and natural. The Muslim man continued. In the moments that followed, we talked about our mutual profession, our families, and business, and sports. Eventually, our conversation found its way to issues of faith. I took a risk in telling him that I was a Muslim. I was a little hesitant about how he'd respond. He told me he was a Christ follower, but that truth to be told, he knew almost nothing about Islam. You can imagine my surprise when he asked if I would do him, him the courtesy of explaining the basics of Islam over a cup of coffee. Can you believe that? He said he was a curious type and genuinely wanted to understand my faith system and why I devoted my life to it. What do you think about that? It's intriguing, isn't it? How many of us are experts in Islam? I would like to know more. What a great way to learn more is to have that conversation. Now, I have one takeaway this morning. Hopefully, you'll, hopefully God will have more than that for you, but I have one. It comes from Walk to Emmaus. It's pretty simple, but I believe it's the way and the path to effective sharing of our faith. It's really simple. Make a friend. Be a friend. Introduce your friend to Christ. Will you say it with me? Make a friend, be a friend, introduce your friend to Christ. And when I say introduce your friend to Christ, it's really more about living in such a way that that, that conversation will naturally occur. You don't have to force that to happen. They'll see Jesus in you. You be you. For him. <laughs> and God will take care of it because God is the best evangelist of us all. See, others are far less likely to give you the time of day if you're not interested in who they are. Who has an impact in your life? People close to you or, or people on the periphery? People close to you, absolutely. People on the periphery can say what, kind of whatever they want, and you kind of can brush most of that stuff off. Every once in a while, they'll get a dig in. But most of the time can kind of brush that off, but the people close to us, we listen to what they have to say, amen? That matters. It carries weight. So to have an impact in the lives of others would suggest that we need to get close to people. We need to make a friend. But more than that, we need to be a friend. Two ears, one mouth, Listen twice as much as we talk. See, this be a friend is critical. It's also a part of what Jesus gave to us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with, all your, with everything that you got. Love your neighbor as yourself. The two great commandments. Note that word. The two great not the two great suggestions, not the two cool ideas, the two great Amen. commandments. See, we, we, the, there's some things that God really wants us to get. Love me and love my people. Love me and love my people. Regardless of who they are. 
Make a friend. Be a friend. Introduce your friend to Christ. Let me get back to our story. The next time we met, whatever doubts I had about him truly wanting to hear my beliefs were quickly dispelled. He really sought to understand my life and my faith. We began meeting almost weekly, and each time I sat across from him, I was stunned by what an engaged and compassionate listener he was. See, this man was being a friend, and he was learning along the way. One week, I even talked, took the opportunity to ask him about his beliefs. I'd been a Christian as a kid, but had left God, left the faith, left it all because the church my family attended was so racially prejudiced, and I wanted no part of that Christianity. And when the tables turned and I was on the receiving end of his faith story, he patiently described why he'd given his whole life to this person named Jesus Christ. Couldn't believe how easily the conversation evolved and how respectfully and sensitively he conveyed his love of God. Despite our deep-seated religious differences, we were becoming fast friends. Okay, so here's a pretty big challenge for all of us. What is your faith story? What is your faith story? All right, turn, turn to the person beside you and tell them your faith story. <laughs> so I have a challenge for you, and I'll post this uh, on the website. Write down your faith story. Write down your faith story. If you don't know your story, you can't really share it very well with somebody else. Know your story. God's going to provide you with opportunities, because that's how God is. He's a God who provides opportunities. But if we're not ready, as ready as we can be for those opportunities, then we'll miss them. And a big part of those opportunities that we face will be to, to impact others in the name of Jesus is going to require us to know, why, why am I a Christian? Why do I follow Jesus? What does move me? What keeps me as a follower of Christ? If someone asks you, why should I become a Christian? Do you have an answer? See, we need to do some, do some thinking about that so that we know. And try to keep the focus on the here and now rather than eternity. Eternity's cool, and that's our great promise. But would you, be, would you be a Christian even if heaven wasn't at the end? Would you be a Christian just because the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life today gives me a strength and a peace that I don't have otherwise? I love that we have a promise of heaven. I hope that I would be a Christian anyway because of what God has done in my heart and in my life and the love that he has put upon me that I get to share with others. Don't know what you're going through this morning. I know some, some folks are going through some stuff. God's love, he loves you. He walks with you. He hurts when you hurt. He hurts when we lose little babies like Graham. Hurts when we lose our grandparents. He hurts when we hurt. And he walks with us. And yeah, it's awesome that one day all that stuff's going to be wiped out. But he is with me today. 
today in this place. He's not going anywhere, family. Know your faith story. Don't be ashamed of your story. Sometimes folks say, well, I don't have that great a story. Your story matters. Your story matters. And it will inspire others. Let me get back to our friend. This went on for some time. We'd meet, hash through nuances of our faith. Sometimes he'd ask for a couple of days to find answers to my questions. Other times he knew exactly where I was struggling and seemed to have the perfect words to untangle my confusion. There finally came a day. I remember being home alone when this happened, and this is, that's important, I think, that I felt totally compelled to not be able to not, totally compelled to pray to God. And I knelt beside my bed, told God everything I was feeling, and in the end, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And in the space of about a week, that single decision changed everything in my world, Every single thing. Make a friend, be a friend, introduce your friend to Christ. See, the man that, that had been meeting with him was not there when he said yes to Jesus. He wasn't there. But he had introduced him to Jesus Christ over time. Shared who Jesus was to him. See, we share our faith relationally. We build those relationships. God is in the midst. And, and please know, discipleship, we talk about discipleship quite a bit. That's not a passive act. It's not passive. It's active. It takes Christian action to share our faith. And that's characteristic of a Christ-centered life. Action flows from those personal commitments and relation, our relationship with Jesus. And if we're not committed, we're not going to see the need for action. We'll miss it. And we could be used for impact. So we bear witness to Christ everywhere that we go. Acts 1.8 says this. It says, but when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. I wish Sydney were here. You will receive power. And will tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of of the earth. In other words, in Houston and in Hall County and in Georgia and throughout the world. You receive power to share. See, the sharing of our faith is a pretty natural thing. We're wired to share who this God of ours is. God extends his grace to us and we simply share that with others. God has been very gracious to me, you know my story as a recovering person, and I just share that with others. God's been gracious to you, so just share that with others. Our role is not necessarily to convert folks, but to share with them how God's grace has transformed our lives. And even though there is struggle and there is pain and there is triumph and there is joy and there are all these things in our lives, to know that our Creator is with us each step of the way. And that, can br- that brings us peace. This peace that passes understanding comes from that place. If you receive the best that there is, it's only natural that you want to share that. And each of us will respond a little bit differently. That's what Paul gives us the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit active in our life. It's when God's grace comes alive in us, and you're going to see that in others. And we need each other because some of us are better at some of the fruit than others. Uh, the self-control one, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. Some of y'all got that one, right? So consider what qualities, what gifts God has given you. You are gifted. We're in a visioning process here at Arbor Point, and so where we are right now is, is to cast a vision to be a church. Our purpose is to inspire others, to inspire people to fulfill God's calling in their life, that we become a church of inspiration, that, that people come here and they are impacted by God in such a way that they go, I want to make a difference. I, I want to become who God has called me to be. And that Arbor Point is the catalyst, the point of that, the point of that spear in this community that pierces through whatever's going on so that people can become and fulfill that which God has called them to be. Now, that's got a lot of connotations to it, Christy. Well, that means we've got to be willing to help people figure out that calling and, okay, what are my spiritual gifts and, and, and what are my talents and what am I passionate about so that we can help folks figure out their calling so that then they can move into that next to fulfill that which God has called them to be. A church of inspiration. That's Arbor Point. That's who we are. That's where we're at. Amen? Lives will no longer be the same because of what God does through us. I like it. So how do we share our faith? Kind of, sorry, I went over here. Let me come back. Make a friend. Be a friend. Introduce your friend to Christ. Let's try really hard not to overcomplicate it and to be who you are and to be who you are for him in the places in the BMW shop, you know, at school. At Progressive Insurance. <laughs> oh, Lord. At SunTrust Bank. <laughs> Be who you are for him. Grab hold of that.